The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. This is the Shaken and Stirred Show. I'm Nigel Barker in New York, and I'm here with my great friend and co-host, Tom Astor. Greetings from the UK. It is five o'clock somewhere. It is not five o'clock where I am, but I believe it is indeed five o'clock where you are, Tom. Very much so. It has been all day. Well, there you go. And this is a first. We normally do five o'clock here with me in New York, and I'm the lucky one who gets to sort of have the regular cocktail hour. But our guest today is is actually coming from Blighty, which is, uh, you know, your neck of the woods. Coming from the UK. Yes, she's in the UK. But we won't give it away. I don't want to give it away too much. I want to give it a little bit of a lead in. This is quite an exciting one. It's a guest who I met and worked with many years ago. And I'll leave it at this. When she won one of the most spectacular competitions in the universe. That's all I'll say for the moment. But um, in the meantime, what are you drinking, Tom? I decided today, instead of going down the route of, you know, picking an old cocktail from someone else's recipe, I had uh, my girlfriend mix me up a cocktail, which is which I have named the Grenade. And there is a pun on this. It's a rum-based cocktail. I mean, normally it would just be a Bacardi, you know, a Bacardi cocktail. Two parts rum, one part grenadine syrup, and topped with fizzy water. Now, the reason for the Grenade is is the Grenade, is the French word for, um, you know, pomegranate, which is the grenadine, which gives it color, which probably might start clashing with my skin tones quite badly, but... According to a story in the Washington Post in 1937, the Bacard cocktail at the end of Prohibition began to unseat the martini as the most favoured cocktail. So mm. that's a little bit of kind of trivia. But um, I thought I'd make my own recipe today. And the Renard, the French twist on it is I use Perrier to top it off with. Ah, very nice. Very nice. Delicious. Sounds fantastic. And you know what? You and I must have been on a bit of a similar tip because I as well decided not to make a classic cocktail, not to take one from the cocktail books of old, but in fact to make my own. A complete I name script. it. And I, I named name it. it. I named it the Berry Booster, um, in large part because it's in honor of our guest today. You know, I've, I've got a bit sort of cheesy in my old age, and I decided, okay, I'm gonna theme everything. You know, so I decided to dress like a blueberry, and I um, have, in fact, made myself a berry booster, which inside of it is blueberries, shocker, and strawberries. And with cocktails, people often talk about alcohol makes you age and all the rest of it, right? So the berry booster, the whole point of this is it's kind of like a beauty cocktail, if you like, with blueberries, you know, rich in antioxidants, helping to neutralize free radicals and protect the skin from premature aging, old boy. And strawberries, which by all accounts, increase HDL, which is that good cholesterol, which helps lower blood pressure, and it even guard against cancer. Cancer! So, okay, and on top of that, I used Tito's potato vodka, which, uh, you know, it was gluten-free and all the rest of it. So, chin-chin. Chin-chin. Mm. Well, the colors of these two things are extraordinary. I know, but it's delicious too. I mean, for goodness sakes, like it's terribly lethal because it actually tastes like a smoothie, but it has vodka in it. Two shots of it, two jiggers even. Of and vodka. also it gives you the misapprehension that you're actually not going to age if you drink it. Which I'm afraid, Nigel, is something you're not going to slow. Well, let's go straight into that, shall we? A little bit of booze news. Booze news, oh boy. This is kind of interesting. There was a study that's just been released and talking about not aging and all the rest of it, this is exactly what the study is all about. It is all about the fact that, by all accounts, 
doctors do not recommend more than two drinks a day. Well, okay, you know, fair enough, I get it. And on an average day, I suppose that's fine. You know, most people would probably unlikely to have more than two cocktails in a day. However, of course, in weekends and parties, and if you uh, <laughs> have a podcast called Shaken and Stirred, you may well have more than two cocktails a day. But, you know, if you do, you can suffer from dehydration and this causes aging. And in fact, they did a study where they have people who have simply drunk nothing their entire life, never drunk alcohol their entire life, and people who have drunk alcohol their entire life. And literally they say you look at least 10 years older by the time you're 50 if you've been drinking for 20 years. So it literally adds 10 years onto your life. So, oh my goodness, what does one do? That sounds absolutely dreadful, but all is not lost. So apparently it really depends on what you're drinking. So the clearer, the cleaner by all accounts. So things like gin, vodka, and even tequila are sort of apparently better for your skin. Now, some of us may say, well, we don't really care. We're gonna grow old gracefully. I don't mind the wrinkles. In which case, go for your whiskeys and your dark drinks. It's all fine. But apparently the cleaner, the, cl the better. And things like Tito's, which are gluten-free and everything and are not made with grains, apparently go through your system even faster. And so are even better for you from a skin uh, sensibility standpoint, from a beauty standpoint. And then on top of that, interestingly enough, if you do miss your booze, going along with this beauty angle going on, there are so many products out there which are booze related. And I'm talking about things like wine oil repair, um, repair oil from Arcona, which is a sort of oil, anti-aging oil you put on your skin, a GNT scent from Demeter, if you really want to smell like a gin and tonic, uh, which is, sounds extraordinary. There's even a whiskey perfume from Commodity, which is unisex and uh, is incredibly popular. It's actually doing incredibly well. And it has, it's but it also has, in, well, no, it's all over the world, actually. It's very, very popular in, in Japan. It's very popular. But the Japanese love their whiskeys, right? They love, they love their whiskeys. There's even a margarita shower gel from Philosophy, a pina colada sun protection factor cream from Kula, and a mojito soap from Marlin and Goats, which is incredibly chic. So you can smell like your favorite cocktail. You can wash yourself all over it if you're not interested in drinking it because you're worried about the alcohol. But there you go. I think on that note, we should reveal who our wonderful guest is. Drum roll, please. Our guest today was crowned Miss Universe in 2015, propelling her to international stardom and making her a household name in her country of the Philippines, one of my favorite places. And she's also the ambassador of UN AIDS for Asia and the Pacific, and just recently, WWF in the Philippines. She's amassed an adoring fan base of almost 11 million followers on IG and another two and a half million on Twitter and Facebook. Please welcome Pia Wurstbach. Pia, so lovely to have you on Shaken and Stirred. Thank you so much, uh, Nigel and Tom. It's great to see you guys virtually. It's wonderful to see you too. Now, you just told me that you are in the UK. Yes. So which is not where I spoke to you last time. <laughs> yes. So um, I just got here. Um, it's been five days now since I arrived. I've been loving it, though. I've been getting a sense of normalcy back home in the Philippines. The lockdown is a little bit more strict, but here I, at least I can, you know, I can enjoy the sun, walk in the park and at least get some groceries. So I've been appreciating that things I never really appreciated before. 
<laughs> Crazy, right? It sounds like, I mean, the people that normally go to the UK for to get a bit of sun. I'll tell you what that Yes, I know, right? No, because it's the rainy season in Manila now. So it's, um, I mean, in the Philippines, it's monsoon season. So it's been raining and I've been having attempts at getting some sun at the rooftop of the condo where I stay at. But no, it's been really cloudy and rainy. So I came to the UK for sun. Can you believe that? Wow. <laughs> well, you know, your skin is looking perfect and is looking beautiful, probably from the lack of sun. But before we get into that, what are you drinking? I, I, you've got a little drink in front of you. So there's not much here. This is actually Jeremy's old place. <laughs> and this is Jeremy's old place. And when I looked at the, the cupboards, I just found this old rum that I mixed with some water. So Ooh, old okay. rum is my drink of choice for a lack of options. Unfortunately. Old rum. And it says, <laughs> lot, says a lot about Jeremy, which, by the way, she's already <laughs> alluding to a secret which has only just been revealed in the press, which is, in fact, this person, Jeremy, whose apartment she's in. Let's talk about Jeremy Jauncey. And you know Jeremy, Tom, because t Jeremy Jauncey and her, his brother Tom came on Shaken and Stirred a while ago to talk about yeah. beautiful destinations. We met them both. Pia is, in fact, dating Jeremy, and it's all in the press now. There was, it was a big secret. I love the fact that there were little, um, little bits in your Instagram and his Instagram where you were both in the same place at the same time, and you posted pictures about it, but you never revealed that the other one was with you. That was really funny. So what's yeah. it been like? Tell us about it. Since you've released this information in Tatler magazine that you're now with Jeremy, has it changed things at all? Well, yes, there's, I can feel there are definitely more eyes on us now. Um, I've been getting a lot of inquiries, too, of us doing more work together. So it's been great. And because of that, actually, WWF approached me and asked me to be one of their ambassadors for the Philippines. I, I really feel like my association with Jeremy had a lot to do with it because I've been doing advocacies for years back home, but that was the first time... WWF approached me. So I was thinking, is this because of Jeremy? But then, you know, it's all good. Because he's an ambassador, right? He's a, he's, is yeah. he a global ambassador or is he just an ambassador of a country? For the US. So um, we were able, after we did that cover and that live that we did together, uh, Nigel, we did a fundraising hour for WWF Philippines. So that was our second appearance, virtual appearance together. So it's been great since then. And... We hope to do more stuff together in the future. I'm sure you do. I'm sure, I think WWF are very lucky to have someone like you be an ambassador who's so incredibly conscientious. What I would like to know is pre-Jeremy, or even Jeremy in mind, your Miss Universe. So that in itself is a very hefty title to walk around with on your shoulders. Yes, you earned it. Yes, you spent a long time getting there and, and, for, you know, and becoming Miss Universe. And I'd love to know about the process too. But when you become Miss Universe, you know, in a way, if you were to ask any guy or anybody, who would be your ultimate, you know, wife or your girlfriend or who would you like to, you know, like people would say something like, oh, Miss World, Miss Universe, a supermodel. I mean, that's, you're up there with that. What is that like? What is the pressure like? What's the dating scene like, for goodness sakes? Well, I always told myself that everybody who I'm, after I won, everybody who I meet from here on will always know me as Miss Universe. So, what was important for me is for the, my partner to get to know me as Pia. Because we already know Miss Universe happened a few years ago, but just trying to, I don't know, I don't want to erase Miss Universe, but then I would want my partner to get to know me for me. 
So it, it's not really, it's not, it hasn't been re- difficult really. It's just been more of, um, I guess I just have to be careful from now on about who I associate myself with. I suppose it's like if your face is well known as an actor and you know, you played a gangster in, a, in an American crime thing, you're, when you go out on a date, I suppose the person isn't going to expect to be going out with the character they've seen. And, you know, on your driving license, it doesn't say Miss Universe. So, yeah, you can see how you want to sort of separate the two things out. The good thing about, I mean, with Jeremy, for example, he didn't really know much about Miss Universe. So that's good. Oh, that's really? A, that's actually good that is he that what, is that what he told you? Yeah, yeah that's what he said. <laughs> oh right, okay. So gullible, gullible is not one of the things. So you can be gullible and be Miss Universe, people. There you go. So basically, old blind word. Oh, Miss, you're Miss Universe. I had no idea. Well, I believed him. I've heard tell a story uh, to me how he saw you from across the. I don't know, it was outside Covent Garden in London and you were by the tube station and he saw you from across the entire Covent Garden, which is like some distance. And I have no doubt there you probably were walking with the wind in your hair, looking like Miss Universe, pretending that you weren't. And he was like, oh my God, this is my chance. And he ran towards you because he recognized you. Now, tell me he didn't know what Miss Universe was in order for that to happen. Well, he knew that I was a Miss Universe, but he didn't know about how big Miss Universe was back home in the Philippines. You know, over here in the UK or in the US, it's people know about it, but it's not as big of a deal as it is in Latin America or in Asia. Okay, so this, this, the time out. I, am I defending him too much? <laughs> I'm giving you a time out right now because I'm going to tell you that Miss Universe, I think, I'm accurate in saying this, is the number one watched television show in the world when it comes on. The number one. In other words, 500 million people on average, do you hear that? Half a billion. There's no show on Canada that watch Miss Universe, the final when it happens, it's there is nothing bigger. There is no, and I would argue that if you were to ask any Englishman or Scotsman, because that's where he comes from, right? Or and anyone, in fact, have they ever watched a Miss Universe in their life? Ever have they? There is there's almost no one on the planet in the Western Hemisphere, at least, or anywhere, quite frankly, that hasn't seen Miss Universe. So I call BS <laughs> on him, and he can hear this. And anyway, go what? Go on, Tom. I haven't seen it. Oh. Oh, so, well. He lives under... Well, you judged it, Nigel. You were a judge, uh, right, a few years ago. Yes, that is one of my accolades. It's true. (laughs) bringing that up. Yes, I, you know, having been a judge on Miss Universe. um, (laughs) Look, look, it's seriously tough. So you mentioned it just now. You talked about how big a deal it is in the Philippines. So to be Mm -hmm. fair, yes, you're right. You know, in certain other countries like the US or the UK or, you know, a lot of other countries, there are other sort of things happening, perhaps other competitions that are also popular. And, you know, certainly in the US and in the UK, models and actors and actresses have like a similar kind of allure to them. But in the Philippines, where you're from, and by the way, what's the population of the Philippines? 104 million, last time I checked. Huge. So bigger than the UK, massive, right? Massive population. It is huge in the Philippines. Miss Mm -hmm. Universe is like off the rails. Why is that? What is it about Philippine culture that they're so into pageantry? Okay, this might sound like a pageant answer, but I've been asking this question myself also for a while now. What is it really? 
Oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I'm just so checking. I believe... This is not you go for it. <laughs> I believe that the reason why um, Filipinos really love beauty pageants is they love a Cinderella story. You know, they love a story of a girl who had a dream and made that dream come true and is now on the international stage and is representing us. Um, also, Filipinos are very proud to be Filipino. So seeing somebody on stage representing the country, they feel a sense of representation, I guess, or pride. And we don't get a lot of international recognition. I mean, on the entertainment stage. And we also... A lot of our culture is the similar to um, Latin America. So pageants there are huge. So maybe I think that's why. It's interesting because mm-hmm. you talked about patriotism, right? But it's certainly America is very patriotic too, right? A lot of countries are very patriotic. And I think too that a lot of the things that you mentioned are perhaps similar to a lot of countries, but there it is, there's something about whether it's South America or the Philippines where you guys compete at a completely different level. Oh, you, yeah. Do you think that it has, because you mentioned national pride, how important is it, or was it, or has it been for the Philippines for you to win? Like, what difference did it make to the country? I mean, it's almost like when you win, you go back and it's, it's like, you, you know, you, you won the World Series or something. People are in the streets sort of throwing confetti. Yeah, so before I won, the there were two former Miss Universes from the Philippines, but it was 42 years before we won again. It was a long wait. And um, before, um, before I won, we would always place at the top five. So imagine that like it was like a tease, like what? Only first runner-up, only third runner-up, only fourth runner-up. How come we never win but we're so close so it was that build up those years of anticipation since 2010 to 2015 when I won so five years of cheering for the girl cheering for the candidate and then finally getting it after 42 years and it's a different kind of competition back home it's not like it's just a modeling competition it's it's a bloodbath 50 girls compete from different parts of the country And then when you get there, you live and breathe it like every day. You just train every day. And it's almost like Manny Pacquiao representing the Philippines at a boxing match in Vegas. That's how it feels back home. So whenever there's a Miss Universe competition, everybody is indoors. Everybody's watching. There's no traffic outside. It's quiet. There's no crime (laughs) <laughs> so um it's just very very much celebrated extraordinary so what's it like Pia, to be the center of attention all the time you know you go from being you know a contestant on miss universe but then you win okay all of a sudden that moment take us back to the moment when they're literally putting the crown on your head and then you're realizing okay life's changed oh wow to me it was a very emotional moment because it took me a long time to get to miss universe I competed in the national competition. So basically you have to win in your country first before you can compete at Miss Universe. I had to try three times in a row. Three years in a row, I kept trying before I got to Miss Universe because I I placed first runner-up the first try. Second time, I didn't get anything. And then finally on the third try, I got it. So it was a long journey for me, four years of just training and competing and just trying to make that dream happen and 
when it did happen, well, it almost didn't happen because Steve almost made a mistake. But when it did happen, I felt like everything finally made sense. I felt like everything came into full circle. And I think in the Philippines, the reason why my win was celebrated because I was very transparent about my journey and people knew that I kept losing. People knew that I that it was a long journey for me. So maybe that's why they related to it so much because I didn't get it right away. Cluster of perseverance of failing and then getting up and brush dust yourself off and then trying yeah. again. Yeah. It, it goes back to your Cinderella story, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. So um and it gives Filipinos a sense of hope that if somebody like me can make it, as long as you work hard and you keep trying, then it give, makes them feel like, hey, wait a minute, if Pia can do it, then maybe I can do it too. So that's how I would like to think about it, actually. So t- tell me about Steve Harvey, the Steve Harvey moment. <laughs> you know, this is the moment when he, when he named the wrong winner? Yes, yes. So <laughs> it was, there were two of us left and then he announced Colombia as the winner first. Immediately, I thought to myself, oh man, like so close, so close. As I was walking back with my first runner up flowers, I was thinking, oh my gosh, did I miss anything? Like I was so close. I really thought I gave a good answer, but the camera came back to me. And then you know how, you know the camera's recording you because it has that red light on. Yeah. So I knew that I was live and I was thinking, why did it come back for me? I thought, you know, this is it. Show's over. We have a winner already. But then you can't miss Steve. He came back towards center stage and then he said sorry and then eventually announced me as the winner. I thought it was a joke. Honestly, I thought I was being pranked. (laughs) I mean, from the years of training I was doing, I would watch Miss Universe almost all the Miss Universe editions, and they never make a mistake. So I was thinking, is this a prank? So when I finally got it, it actually took me a bit of time to really absorb what was going on around me. So I had my moment backstage. It was backstage when I asked everybody around me, hey, did I really win? Is this really happening? Are they going to come back to take the crown from me again? Like, are you sure I'm the winner? And then they said, yes, 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 you are the winner. And then that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I won. And then I became emotional. I cried. I called my mom. I ate so much <laughs> with a crown on. So um, yeah, that's, it was tough though, because the thing is, because I joined so many times and I also kept losing, I know how it felt for her. I mean, I couldn't go into celebratory mode because I've been there. I was first runner up years ago, so I know the feeling. But then again, Philippines just won, and this is our dream. So it was it was confusing for me. I wanted to celebrate, but I also wanted to be sensitive towards the feeling of the girl who was standing beside me. So I celebrated in my room instead with some food. <laughs> At what point did you realize that the chances of you ever going on holiday to Colombia were pretty remote after. Oh my gosh. Yeah, when I saw the effigy of me being burned in Colombia. So I actually did that. So apparently there's a it's part of their tradition or their culture to burn the bad memories of that year. And so they made this huge effigy of me and Steve and 
I saw it on video. They burned us. So I guess I'm not, I wasn't welcome yet. No, I don't know. We'll try to go. Tells me, something tells me that, you know, there's a few other places that you can visit and be more than welcomed <laughs> in. And not to mention the fact that that news ricocheted all over the world, right? Because it was so outrageous that what happened that you could arguably say it was a ratings genius moment because all of a sudden, you know, the world was horrified that this poor woman from Colombia had been decrowned. Meanwhile, you had been, you know, you were the official winner, had been crowned. The other, you know, so it was such an odd thing to happen. But as a result, the spotlight was so much on you and this particular Miss Universe. I mean, it put Miss people were like, oh, Miss Universe again, those who hadn't seen it recently or whatever. And they got to meet you when they perhaps wouldn't have done otherwise because you were on every news channel everywhere more than you would have been. That's why when I saw Steve Harvey again, I thanked him. I thanked him and I said, thank you for making me the most popular Miss Universe. And then he went, well, thank you for making me the most popular host. <laughs> so um, oh, yeah. I guess it worked. I guess it worked. Yeah, he's not getting any calls to do the Oscars anytime soon. That's all seriously, I, I was going to say, he probably never had a job again. Has he? I mean, that's quite a big, unless I was just saying, it's not so cynical as to say it was intentional. It was a genuine cock-up, was it, on the part of the people doing it? Yeah, I asked Miss Universe a few times. I had a few moments with them where I said, hey, come on, tell me the truth. Was it, did you guys do that on purpose or was it really a mistake? And um, they said it was really a mistake. So I believe them. This goes back to the original comment where... <laughs> when Jeremy didn't, Jeremy didn't know anything about Miss Universe. Um, so gullibility is actually a very oh, endearing. It, it couldn't, it could in fact be a part of your winning formula. Because that's what I want to know. What is the winning formula? What do you think? What was it about you? Obviously, you worked hard. You tried hard. But they all do. Lots, all these amazing contestants tried really hard. What was it about you and what do you think is a winning formula for all those young people out there trying to do pageants right now? What do you recommend? What is your sort of little tips on how to get there? It's when preparation meets opportunity. So you gotta, you gotta be prepared for when that right moment comes. You can be the most prepared candidate, but if it's not for you, you know, you're not gonna get it. Unfortunately, it is still kind of like, uh, you still need luck on your side. For example, the judges for that night, maybe they have different tastes. Beauty is so sub subjective. Maybe on another day, you could be there, Miss Universe, but for a different set of judges, maybe you're not. So um, I think it's just preparing and just to avoid regret, just give it your best. Also nowadays, I've seen a trend where the audience are smarter now. They know when a girl is just beautiful, but then that's it. The girls who compete at Miss Universe now, they really, I mean, to be fair with them, they really focus on advocacy work and charity work, even before they compete. So they prepare on their own in their home countries for months or years before they get to Miss Universe. So it's more legit, if you know what I mean. It's not put on for the pageant, which I think is great. No, 100%. Look, I've been a judge. 
I've been a judge. Yes, yes, of course. I've, I've sat in that chair and I have asked the questions and the difficult questions. And, and I felt bad when I put people on the spot and they couldn't really answer. And, you know, there are memes of me even out there with me asking the questions to the Miss Universe candidates and them not being able to answer properly. Or, or you know, mm -hmm. even if it's the Miss World or the Miss uh, USA or uh, Miss America, it's like all of these contests, they have the similar kind of aspects where you ask a question and they've got a certain amount of time to answer it. And sometimes yeah. the question is, really difficult and I've actually said no to some of the questions I've had to ask people because I thought it wasn't fair or it wasn't going to be something that someone could answer in a manner that was going to be okay fair for them to answer mm -hmm. you know some questions are just too difficult or too obscure or awkward is there a part of the pageant that you really don't like is there something about it or some aspect that you'd like to change or you didn't you don't either think does it is not fair or it's just like the hardest part for you at Miss Universe, I think um, they've really evolved, and what I and I love that they've changed the format now. So uh, at the start of the show, they select girls from all continents. So we know that Latin America and Asia are strong girls, but then they're also giving an opportunity for Europe and America and uh, the Americas to and Africa to you know to have a spot in the competition, which I think is great. But there are other pageants out there. I'm not gonna name them anymore. Other pageants, not Miss Universe. Some of the questions like what you mentioned, I think are kind of unfair, especially when you're only given about 30 seconds to 45 seconds to explain your answer. For example, I heard a question in one of our local pageants here in, uh, in the Philippines about like, what Filipino food would you serve to a foreigner? But you had to mention an appetizer, mains, and dessert in 45 seconds. Like, how do you, how do you do it? To me, that's not fair. Like, how, if it was one dish, yes, maybe, but a full course meal, how do you do that in 45 seconds? If I was put on the spot and asked, for instance, you know, what would you serve if you had a, an Israeli guest? What would you serve? I would probably start with oysters and then move on to, you know, um, move on to kind of a pork chop or something. Get it horribly, horribly wrong. And imagine you've been preparing for, let's say, months on all possible political questions, all possible current events. You probably reviewed all past questions from previous editions of that pageant. And then at the end of the day, you're going to be asked, so... What do you want for dinner? <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel, I feel like that's a little unfair. No, no, for sure. Curious, do you feel a certain responsibility to behave or act in a certain way now that you've been sort of crowned Miss Universe? Obviously, it's been a while. What, is, what has it been like these past few years? Do you feel that you can't be yourself because everyone's looking at you? Yeah, there is some pressure, especially in the Philippines. They, they really value Miss Universe, so I can't just be like, well, I'm a former Miss Universe, so I'm going to do what I want now. It's a blessing and a curse at the same time because you'll always be Miss Universe no matter where you go back home. So there is a sense of responsibility of me making sure that I don't do anything that's out of the branding of a beauty queen. And also, you guys might know that back home, it's a bit more conservative. We're predominantly Catholic back home. And even though I'm not like... I'm a little bit more open. I have to be sensitive towards my audience and I have to be sensitive towards kids and towards the people who look up to me. So there is still that pressure, but I, it's, it's not difficult. I've gotten used to it already. 
But, that, but you say it's not difficult, but it is, it, it is, you know, quite hard. I mean, obviously, if you look at certain yeah. people in certain positions, you know, even, I know the English royal family, for example, the spotlight is constantly on them. Certain people, the spotlight is in Melania Trump right now, spotlight is on her all the time. She makes one move. She, she wears something she, that people don't approve of and the press are all yeah. over her. You know, that, it, that can't be easy. None, most of us have a, a, no idea what that's actually like. Is it very, very intense, the scrutiny? I remember when we did a photo shoot, every picture, every behind the scenes photograph, every aspect of it was not just in the magazine and on our social media, whatever, it went viral. There were all kinds of people, websites, fan pages, everywhere writing about it. Yeah, I mean, of course I have to be careful. I mean, with just being here in the UK, for example, We know that we're in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, all over the world. And the situation in the Philippines right now is not so good. Things are kind of bad at home. But I can't be insensitive and be posting me walking in the park in the UK and having fun, enjoying the sun, look at me. Because it's insensitive to the people who are back home and who are my audience and who are looking up to me. You know, I, I always have to think about them with every move I make. So it is hard, but well, this was my dream. So I guess I got to deal with it. <laughs> is there a special person that has been on your journey with you? I mean, did you do it single-handedly or is there someone who has been with you all the time? Oh, I have a group of mentors who guided me throughout all of this through many years. And they're all part of the LGBT community. So um, we have a huge LGBT community back home, especially in the pageant scene. And, you know, I'm very proud to say that they're like my, my guardians and my parents and my mentors. My family lives here in the UK, actually. That's why I'm also here right now. So my family's over here. I live alone in the Philippines. I don't, I'm away from my family. I'm hustling alone there. And they're my family. And... It takes a village to create a queen. It's not like I just decided to become a beauty queen one day. There's a lot of training and a lot of people involved to get there. So you see the girl, I mean, on stage, when you watch Miss Universe from TV, you see the girl, pretty girl wearing the sash, but there's a whole team behind that girl and the whole country cheering her on. I love that. Queen P. Queen P. I know, exactly. You are literally... Philippine royalty uh, when it comes to... You know, know, I was in in the post stamps back home in the Philippines. So crazy. They're literally like the Queen. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. The only person who is allowed on our post stamps is the Queen, yeah, in this country. Oh, really? Yeah, in the UK, yeah. Oh, wow. I guess, um, well, back home, we're the Queens. The Miss Universes are the Queens. If you're looking to change your diet instead of restricting what you eat, what if you nourish your body with the healthiest and most nutritious food? With Sakara, you're putting the best in your body so you can feel your best. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and they're designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. Along with delicious meals, Sakara also has daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. To boost results, try the best-selling Metabolism Super Powder, 
an all-natural remedy for bloating, weight gain, and fatigue. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash shaken or enter code shaken at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash shaken to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash shaken. Take us back for a moment. You mentioned obviously this team of, of people who guided you and got you to where you are. Why is the sort of is pageantry, do you think, so popular with the LGBTQ community? You know, has it always been that way? When a woman is on stage and she's representing and fighting for her rights and her voice, they relate to that because they're also fighting for their place in society and their rights and their voice. I guess there's a connection there. That's why. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I've asked them this question also, and this is what's the response I got. So I think that's why. You're saying the Philippines is a sort of conservative country. What's it like to be gay in the Philippines? We're very tolerant and accepting back home, actually, even though that we are predominantly Catholic, very open. I know a lot of people from the LGBT community who live freely over there. Although I have to admit, the government has to keep up. We don't have an anti-discrimination law yet. This is something that I've been rallying for also myself personally, for a while now. And we still have a lot of work to do back home when it comes to our legislation. legislation. But when it comes to the people and mainly society, we're very tolerant and accepting. I agree. I've been to the Philippines more than you know, several times, actually. And, and every time I'm there, it's a very, in a way, a very open society, you know, mm-hmm. and, and everyone's sort of really just trying to get on. I mean, it's an incredibly hospitable place yeah. uh, in ways that people don't realize. And it's hard to, you know, people talk about places in Asia being hospitable and them understanding, you know, being sort of kind and looking after their guests and what have you. But Philippines, I think it, it literally arises there. I mean, they are just a very generous kind-hearted people. However, it's funny when you look from a political standpoint and the world looks at what's happening in the Philippines and we hear about what's happening, all too often that's not the news that we get. We don't know that. We have a, the, the news coming out of the Philippines is really almost the opposite of what the experience is like of mm-hmm. being there. You know, do you find oftentimes that you are a sort of a, an ambassador for the whole country? Yeah, every time I'm abroad, I feel like I'm still a Miss Philippines in some way. Like I've become an ambassador now. One of the things that I love about my platform now and winning Miss Universe and how big it is back home is that people will take my voice seriously. Like what I say is taken seriously. And I'm not just a beauty queen back home. What I say actually has impact. So I I use that. That's why I've been rallying for anti-discrimination law equal rights for the LGBT community, um, women empowerment, all of these things. I mean, in the UK, maybe this isn't uh, a problem anymore, but we still have a lot of work to do back home. And beauty queens have been taking a part in making that progress. 
tell us about that a bit more because not just the UK but the US as well. I mean, certainly gender equality is very is is, is hot topic and very important, and people are trying to do a lot to to change it. Right? It's whether it's UN Women or you know, there's any multitude of of organisations trying to make a difference for you know equality and gender equality specifically, and that you well, that people could argue that pageantry perhaps is a sort of almost a, a backward step and I'm just playing devil's advocate here but a backward step for women's rights because of the, perhaps the, the way women are treated in pageantry the way they're put on a pedestal and sort of judged and looked upon um, mm-hmm. often by male judges who are judging them on beauty where you know is that fair and what has that really helped um, equality do you think? I, I know that there are um, some movements out there or people out there who don't necessarily agree on of beauty pageants and they think that beauty pageants are put these women on stage to be judged and to be just yes yes that's the word demeaning but that wasn't the experience for me like it was really the other way around when I before I joined beauty pageants I was so shy and I was so timid and I didn't feel like my voice mattered I felt like I was just one of the models I felt like maybe I wasn't important. I felt like an underdog. I felt like I didn't exist. And then when I started training and when I found my voice and I found my confidence and then I realized, wait a minute, people are actually listening to me and I could be, you know, a voice for change. That's so empowering. I guess it really depends on how you use that. I mean, in any situation, I guess even in acting or in showbiz or in any industry, there's always going to be, people are always going to say something and they're always going to see the negative of your, of your career. But then, well, to me, the experience was not like that at all. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Maybe there are pageants out there that um, need to be improved. The organizers probably need to take a better look at how they handle the pageants, how the judges are, how the girls are being judged. But in my case, my experience was not like that at all. But I mean, if, if you've got, you know, let's say what was nice saying at the beginning of our thing, you've got 11 million people following you on Instagram, right? So clearly these aren't people who are going to accuse you of, uh, you know, of, of being taken advantage of or it's a demeaning situation you know you've got 11 million you know you've got a lot of fans out there and there's always there are always going to be a few sort of dissenting voices you know but clearly it's an extremely popular medium and platform it's a bit like you know what Nigel was doing as America's Next Top Model you could sit there and say well you know is it demeaning to be judging girls on how they look well I mean, clearly, there are more people who are sort of interested in it than, than not, you know, just by dint of the fact that it's it's popularity of it. And it's a bit like Miss Universe. It seems to me from what you said is it's doing way more good than bad, as it were. Yeah. Uh, and it really depends on what you use with that kind of platform or that, that power. In my case, I, I love that there's a question and answer. Imagine if it was just a judge, uh, if they were just based on beauty alone or their bodies or their faces. Um, or their gowns. It's not. That's why we have a Q&A at the very end, because despite all of the beauty, despite the gowns, despite all of that, we already know everybody's beautiful. But let's ask the girls some real questions about our country, about what's going on in the world, and then let's decide who the winner is. So I really think that's why the question and answer is so important and probably the most exciting part of the competition. It's because we start with, okay, a showcase of beautiful girls. But then at the end of the show, 
it becomes more than that when you give the girl the microphone, the chance to speak. I, sh- I think there should be more rounds of Q&A, actually, not just one or two. Do you have the freedom to voice your opinions, political or otherwise, out loud? Or is it something that you're better off keeping quiet about? I mean, how free are you to, to be vocal about your, your opinions? We're free to voice out our opinions, definitely. But also, going back to your audience, considering... Is this going to be helpful? Am I just going to stir the pot for uh, unnecessary reasons? I mean, um, am I spreading the right information? You have to remember that there are people who are listening and watching. And yes, we can voice out our opinions, but also we have to check our facts all the time. And yeah, that's it. Would you ever consider running for politics? I mean, it seems to me you have quite the fan base very popular internationally um, and nationally, obviously. So one, you could run for local politics or pol- regional politics, but you could also be an ambassador for the Philippines for in the UK or in the US or in some other country. Have you ever thought of that? And, you know, is that something that has ever happened before? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I wouldn't mind that. I always love doing public service. I think I have a long way to go, though, of learning and um, gaining experience, but I'm not closing my doors. And this is something that I've said also in the past. I don't think I have the right credentials yet right now, but I'm willing to learn. And if it happens in the future, then it happens. Because being a beauty queen, is, is it is like public service. Back home, though, back home, it is like... Just public- saying, just saying, but... Trump did come from Miss Universe and The Apprentice to being the president of the United States. So it's not such a jump for you at this point to become a politician. Did you guys hear that Manny Pacquiao wants to run for president too of the Philippines? Well, you should run up against him. How about that? Box (laughs) versus Queen P. I can see the show there right now. One, two. Right? I don't know. Seeing Manny Pacquiao do it, I don't know. Crazy, right? Imagine if it happened. So it is something you thought about. Oh, yeah, it is something that I thought about. But, you know, of course, I mean, seriously speaking now, you have to consider so many things. And um, I'm not ready for that yet at the moment. But again, I'm not closing my doors. No, no, no. I'm, I'm speaking right now to all the Filipinos right now. You heard it here. Queen P. <laughs> could be running. Forget about Kanye West pretending to run for president <laughs> in the US. Queen P could well be running for president in the Philippines. Oh, well, I don't know about president, though. Maybe we'll start small. Why not? I can see Jeremy <laughs> is the first man already. It's going to be oh, God. No, I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> we'll see how he feels about that, too. I'm not sure how, he feel, how he'll feel about that. So listen, before we move on, tell us about um, UNAIDS and, you know, your ambassador role there. You're doing so much work for the, for the world, but this is a big part for you. You're a global, uh, a, what, what do they call you, a goodwill ambassador for UNAIDS. Mm-hmm. What has that role been like for you and what, what does it actually mean? Okay, so I'm very happy that after I won, I, I was um, asked to be a goodwill ambassador for Asia and the Pacific. So the UNAIDS headquarters is in Thailand. So I do some work there. We visit some healthcare, healthcare centers. I also did a few uh, rounds in Indonesia and, of course, the Philippines. There's still a lot of work to be done when it comes to HIV awareness, uh, treatment, and erasing the stigma in Southeast Asia. So it's been great. I've been working on HIV and AIDS even before I won Miss Universe. And the stigma is a big deal. I mean, and I think oh, yeah. 
even there, even where you are right now in the UK, as well as in the US, the stigma and discrimination has always been an issue, right? I mean, it's it's one of the biggest problems. You were talking about the LGBTQ community. It's stigma and discrimination, which is often their biggest you know, issue. People are so prejudiced against anybody who they they don't understand or things they don't get or you know so they you know and obviously hiv it falls into that category people are, are scared yeah. of it even corona right now right mm -hmm. what there's so much misinformation how do you get it how do you catch it what do you do what do you don't do do you wear a mask do you not wear a mask do you wear gloves Does, can you use uh, you know hand wash to get rid of something can you not should you see your friends should you not you know there's so much confusion as a result people are sort of terrified right yeah. Do you come across that with, you know, in the Philippines when it comes to HIV? Is that an issue there? Or and how do you handle it? How, what is your message? Yeah, in the Philippines, like what I mentioned, imagine it's pre predominantly Catholic. People are conservative, although very open. The LGBTQ community is quite open. There's still really a lot of stigma around it. But I'm happy that ever since one and started speaking more about it, more people were getting themselves tested. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. And I've also seen a trend with the new batch of queens, the, the queens that came after me, focusing on that advocacy too. Because the reason why I started with this, actually, just to give you guys a quick background, when you're Miss Philippines, you're assigned to so many charity work, uh, so many advocacies. Sometimes they'll put me in a hospital. Sometimes I'm doing repacking relief goods for places that have been hit by typhoons. Sometimes I'm in an operating room um, treating, uh, watching a doctor treat a kid with cleft palate. So like they assign us in so many different places. And then that's when you sort of kind of learn where your heart is and what you want to focus on. But they, they expose you to all charities. And so one day they asked me, Pia, we're going to go visit some people who are living with HIV. And then... I noticed that the queens who were with me at that time were very hesitant to go. And they almost wanted to call in sick. They like, really didn't want to go. And I was thinking, well, why would they ask us to go to this event if it was going to be dangerous for us? And then I did more research on it. And I felt like, how am I going to be an effective beauty queen if I myself don't know much about this? And my fellow beauty queens are don't even want to learn or like find out first before they say no. So then I thought, okay, there's a problem here. And because I feel so much for the LGBT community, I was like, I'll make this my kind of like my way of giving back to them. So, and then, and then it just started from there. And then I'm, and we're here now. So yeah, I guess that's how it started. That's a great story, how you got to find your cause, but also what was Additionally amazing, actually, about that is is the amount of people's lives you've probably saved. I mean, you know, you're saying that people, since you started talking about it and you know, destigmatizing it, more and more people are getting tested, you know, for it. So, you know, it so goes without saying that people are then getting treatment. I mean, is treatment something that, that's readily available in the Philippines? How does that work? Do you have to have the money for it? I mean, how, how, how is, it, is it available for everyone? I mean, how does that work? It is for free. It, the testing is free. And if you have it, treatment is also free. Counseling is free. But the thing is, people are afraid. People are afraid to even get themselves tested. So what I would do is then every year I would have myself tested like publicly with the cameras. Of course, I don't have to show them my result and that. But then just to show them how easy it is, it's just a prick of a finger. 
painless, fast, confidential. You get the results right away. Bring your friends with you. Bring your partner with you. Like, I want to make it look easy so then people don't get so scared. Because the thing is, you're scared if you don't know what you're getting yourself into. You're scared. You're always scared of the unknown. You're scared anticipating for the result. But then if somebody like me can do it, like, publicly, then, you know, it attracts more people. So in that way, I was able to convince a lot of people to get themselves tested and convince more beauty queens to also, you know, join the campaign. That's fantastic. I mean, ultimately, you've got to do it yourself if you expect other people yeah. to do it. So publicly getting tested is what it's all about. I've been tested. My wife, Chrissy, has been tested. You know, it's very important to do those things. Everybody out there, get tested. It, you know, don't think about the discrimination. Just avoid it. You know, the stigma, you got, again, you've got to forget about it. You've got to move forward. You've got to do what's best for yourself and for society. 100% agree. Queen P, before we go, we have something on the Shaken and Stirred show called last okay. orders uh, they're okay. kind of like you know your pageantry questions you've got about you, ha- you don't have to take 45 seconds to answer you can just give me a yes or no if you think that's appropriate you ready all right i'm ready always ready spotlight is on she's always okay. ready first question what is your most embarrassing beauty moment i'm more embarrassed with old photos of me when i was bigger and when I didn't have my veneers on yet that's embarrassing (laughs) but yeah you're gonna love this one heels or flats oh flats nowadays it's all about flats I've graduated from that thank you very much both Tom and I prefer heels just letting you know sorry (laughs) no he prefers wearing heels no not not on other people he you know (laughs) next what was the age you were first kissed I was 13. Oh my gosh. And it was in school. So sloppy. Scandal. I didn't know what I was doing. Someone's going to take what you just said and put it next to an interview with, you know, you and Jeremy, and they're going to get it all wrong and confused, all out of of context. You know how people do love to do that kind of thing. Anyway, what's your guilty pleasure? I love playing Taylor Swift out loud when nobody's around, and I just rock to Taylor Swift. Yeah, I'm a oh. closet Swifty. Oh, and Abba too, Abba. <laughs> Any particular song like Money, Money, Money? <laughs> no, um, the winner takes it all. How about that? Oh, touche. Touche. Final question, shaken or stirred? Stirred. And I don't know you- why, but I, yeah, stirred. Do you know what? That is you, Queen P. Everybody, Pia Westback, Miss Universe. Unbelievable to have you as a guest. There's so much to you. You're so deep. Um, I think the Philippines are very, very lucky to have you as an as an ambassador for their country. Everywhere you go, you, you are just a, a ray of sunshine. Good luck with everything. Good luck being in the UK. And thanks for coming on Shaken and Stirred and shaking things up. But more to the point, stirring things up. Oh, thank you so very much, good. Tom and Nigel. It's been a pleasure. Thank Real you. Pleasure. Thanks, Pierre. Thank you very much for listening. That is Shaken Instead. We will be back next week with another podcast and another fantastic guest. And uh, stay safe. See ya.